Welcome to the Career Medis Podcast. This is your host, Nisar Ahmed. This is episode 106 of the Career Medis Podcast, and this episode is part of the A Day in the Life of series. If this is the first time you're listening to us, or if you just heard about the Career Medis Podcast, a quick preview. What we do for the A Day in the Life of series episodes is I conduct interviews with individuals from a particular career where they walk us through what their day-to-day looks like. And for today's episode, I'm speaking with someone who's a CTO, in other words, a chief technology officer. Our guest's name is Joe Christopher, who works at Reload. And Reload is a referral community that connects the best healthcare professionals to the best healthcare jobs. And in our interview today, Joe will be sharing his experience, how he got started in this profession, what he does day in, day out, where he stands today, what are some of the things he enjoys, also some advice for someone who wants to take this career path. So... Hey, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Nassar. It's great to be here. Before we jump in and learn a little bit more of yourself, maybe it's better to hear from you than me. For those of us who are not familiar with what a CTO or a chief technology officer does, could you give a brief overview of what that role entails? Sure. When I think about the CTO role, I think about a company and it has some mission, right, to achieve. And the CTO is really responsible for how do we achieve that mission with technology at our company. And so that may be the technology choices of, you know, software that they purchase and integrate. It may be the actual software that they're building if they're a software company or software that they're building for their own use internally. And so they're basically translating that mission into sort of the objectives that become what it is the technology teams do on a day-to-day basis to help the company achieve that mission. Very interesting. And now I'd like to open the floor to get to know a little bit more about yourself. I, I know when I just introduced you as the CTO Reload, I know I haven't done enough justice. We'd love to learn more about yourself. So if you don't mind sharing your story, about, about a little bit about yourself and the follow-up question to that would be your journey to where you started to where you are today. Absolutely. So you you have to go all the way back to my childhood. I grew up on a farm in uh, rural Tennessee. And on a farm, you're always asked, something is always broken. So you're always fixing things and you're trying to figure out ways to make things work. And you're always understaffed, if you will. You're always looking for ways to optimize and do things more efficiently, scale yourself to either get done earlier or get done with less effort. And so With that mindset, I went to college and uh, went into electrical engineering. I like computers and I like robots. Went through a master's program in electrical engineering. And then I got married. And I lived abroad for a year with my wife. We lived in Germany. And I was able to work remote doing software research for a software institute. And that's when I really kind of fell in love with the software side of things. So I got deeper and deeper into that because 
you know, unlike robotics, you sort of build it and there's a lot of effort in building something mechanical and real versus with software. It's like you can iterate, 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 change very rapidly and see the results of that. And so got really interested in web-based applications and bringing things to masses of people through the internet. So I joined a healthcare education company after working remotely when we came back to America and uh, helped that company grow its, its company and the software for about 10 years. So through that process, I learned a lot about scaling software, scaling teams, hiring, coordinating offshore teams, establishing processes, understanding business, and translating that into technology. During that 10-year journey, I did a lot of hiring, and that's when I met my co-founder, Matt, who was from the staffing industry and doing a lot of staffing in healthcare and technology. We became friends, and through that friendship, we started meeting and talking a lot about work, and we really talked about what the challenges sort of each side that we represented faced in that hiring and staffing process. And there were just a lot of inefficiencies that we both noted on our side of you know, from communication channels to, you know, the number of people that a staffing firm had to have to be able to find good candidates for their clients. And so in 2011, we formed Reload to start exploring ideas for software to make hiring easier. And in 2014, we both decided to leave our positions and go full time on that idea. So Matt became the CEO, and I'm the CEO, CTO. So I recently celebrated four years of pursuing this idea, and it's, it's been a great journey. Great. So the next question is, now we have an overview of your story. Myself and the audience are very curious to learn, what, what does your typical day-to-day look like? Yeah. So um, first off, I'll just caveat to say that I'm still a bit of a night owl. So I usually don't wake up until about 6.30 a.m. I know some people are early morning people, and I do like the early morning, but I also like late at night. For some reason, there's some satisfaction in achieving something before hitting the bed for the night. So, you know, whether it's reading another article or trying out something that you've been thinking about all day. So I usually start my day about 6.30 I do a quick walk with our dog, get ready for work, grab breakfast, and I head into work. Being in Nashville, it's not super crowded yet, although it's a very popular destination city for a lot of young professionals, and it's growing a lot right now. But my commute is about a 15-minute drive, so I usually have a podcast or an audio book that I'm listening to, making progress on. I usually, the breakfast I grab, I'll eat it at work real quickly uh, when I get there, and I'll do the normal scan of my emails from the previous day, any follow-ups I need to do, check over my calendar for the day, and make sure I'm prepped for any meetings we have. As our team arrives, I'll greet them, say hello to them, catch up with them about what they did last night or the weekend. And then in the technology area, every morning at 9 o'clock, we do a daily stand-up meeting. And so we use a scheduling organizational approach known as Kanban, kind of comes from, I think, the uh, manufacturing world, but there's an application of it to software. And so that's the process or the organization framework we use to sort of maintain and enhance our software. 
So we do that stand-up meeting. We look at our Kanban board. We do a little planning, and that usually lasts about 30 minutes. So then everyone sort of has their directions for the day, what we're hoping to accomplish today, how that connects back to what our bigger plans and goals are. From there, my day usually involves one or more of the following where I'm working with our team on designing software, reviewing like what we're building. I may be looking at sort of the business health reports data with other leaders, and then also working with the various teams we have at Reload to kind of understand what problems are you seeing, what problems are you facing, and helping brainstorm solutions that process or software can create to solve those. And then there's some portion of the day that's always thinking about tomorrow, next week, next month, and making sure, like, you know, are we, are we planning or tracking towards that? And at Reload, our focus has been and continues to be, how do we make this process of hiring in healthcare easier for everyone? So we're always looking for how do we reduce complexity? How do we eliminate waste? Are we measuring, you know, the response times of things and where are our bottlenecks at? In the summers with the kids at home, I usually run home for lunch and then I'll stay in the office until about 6 or 6.30. Our family makes it a point of having dinner together, sort of catch up, and that's a nice sort of milestone in the day. And then, like I said, after the kids are in bed, I may do some reading or look for a solution to a problem. And then maybe once a week, I may do sort of a late night binge where I really get into something new or different and just really explore it. But I'd say overall, I try to target about seven hours of sleep a night and then I do it all again. That's definitely a great rundown, right? So of, of what your day looks like. So what I'm summarizing is there's a lot of strategy, a lot of planning, a lot of leadership involvement here. So you definitely have your hands full with different tasks and projects. So of all the things that you do in a typical day, what are some of the things that if you were to choose the top two or three things that you really enjoy over the others, what would those be? Well, I think for me, I've always seen technology as this tool to augment or scale people. And for me, it's never been about replacing them. It's about, you know, augmenting them. So, you know, they don't have to remember as many things or they don't have to, you know, press as many keystrokes or enter as much information. But, you know, technology is making them scale because they can do it faster. They can do it with less effort. They can do it with fewer errors. So I enjoy, you know, that part of the role where we can build software and make our team or the people using Reload, you know, improve their work or themselves. So it's themselves, it's, it's the healthcare professional, and we made it really easy to find the right job for them. It's our team in that the way that they can interact with those healthcare professionals and understand, you know, mapping the right opportunities to the right healthcare professional. So it's exciting to see how something is used and then identify ways for making it even easier. And I do that through working with a team of talented people to do that. Because for me, everything's better with a team. You know, if you think about any idea you have alone, when you share it with someone, just repeating it makes it better usually because you realize things that you may have omitted or you may have not considered. But then if they offer feedback on that, that makes the idea even better. So 
we're always looking for ways to engage our team members and find team members that bring a passion for their job and, and what they're asked to do. And so, you know, it's great to sit down with them and see how hard they're working to achieve the company mission and then see something and it's like, that could be easier with software or software can automate this process for you and then be able to go back to my team and make that happen and deliver it. And then it's really great, you know, outside of the four walls of Reload's office to see how we call them agents. They're people that are helping connect healthcare professionals to opportunities. It's really great to see them succeed on our platform. And so again, getting their feedback and then being able to adjust the software based on their feedback, but then seeing them be successful on our platform. And so a lot of those agents, like they didn't fit into traditional staffing or healthcare workplace, but with Reload, they've got this opportunity to earn income from wherever, connecting those networks of healthcare professionals they know. And so it's just really satisfying to see when that happens and then identifying an opportunity to make that even better. Before I move on to the next question, there's something you mentioned about team and I wanted a meaning to ask that as well. So I'm curious, how big is your team, uh, Joe? So my technology team is, there's four other guys on the team with me right now. And then Reload as a whole has about 35 employees. And so they're, uh, you know, customer facing, marketing, sales, you know, all the kind of traditional departments. And the software that my team builds is used by all of them in some form or fashion. And so we uh, have regular interactions weekly with each of those teams to kind of understand how the software is working for them, the plan changes, how they're coming out, and will impact what they do on a daily or weekly basis. So is that number, I mean, the team size, that t- um, this is a naive question. And in case someone wanted to ask, is that typical? Like for a, someone in your shoes, does that vary the number of the team size? Does that, I'm assuming it does vary from company to company, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're definitely a startup. So, uh, you know, everything is going to be a lot smaller for us. When I was at my previous company, HealthStream, we had about 50 developers and software testers on site in our office and another 50 offshore. So we had a, a development team of about 100 people that were working on achieving, you know, all the mission around software there, maintaining it, enhancing it, multiple product lines, multiple teams working on various pieces of the infrastructure. So I also wanted to go back to the question I asked. You did tell about the things that you really enjoy. Uh, are there things in your role that you don't enjoy? And if so, what are they? I think a challenge that I've always faced being in the, uh, the profession that I'm in is, you know, the business, the organization has an idea. And then, you know, building software to realize that idea always is slower than thinking of the idea. And so always trying to shorten that idea to realized in software cycle time. It has been a mission and a pursuit of mine for as long as I can remember it. And so finding a rhythm of effectively, you know, evaluating those ideas and then finding the fastest appropriate way to realize those ideas in software 
it's this never ending battle. And so we're always looking for ways to do that better at reload and everywhere I've ever been. And so for us at reload, we're a startup. And so our agility is really one of our strengths there. So, you know, we're like, you know, whatever analogy you want to use, I usually use, we're like a speedboat compared to like a, a tanker ship or a cruise ship. And so we can move a lot faster and we can change direction a lot faster than they can. And so that's one of our strengths. And so how do we lean into that with our software? And so we're always looking at ways to, with processes and tools to overcome any issues that come with moving that fast. And there are a lot of issues. Obviously you can think about, you know, potentially leaving teammates behind because communication breakdowns. And so that's one that we really pay attention to at reload because there's so much communication between our team internally, healthcare professionals, agents that may be referring healthcare professionals, and then ultimately the healthcare employers that are looking at and trying to connect to these healthcare professionals. So we're always experimenting around that. And so whenever we're, we're faced with a new idea, kind of the first question we ask ourselves after we decide it has merit is what is the cheapest and cheapest there has many meanings way to find out if this idea has merit. And so then if it has merit, we start asking, Hey, what's the simplest thing we could do to make this idea better? And then we just keep iterating on that idea until our solution meets the need. So that's worked really well for us. We do that weekly. Thank you for covering that as well. I wanted to switch gears a little bit. If someone listening to this, they are inspired and they ask a question, but they want to get follow this career path, what do you recommend as a path? Yeah. So for me, I've always enjoyed being a part of a team focused on something. So early in my career, I was on some bad teams and then I was on some really good teams. And I identified there's a certain environment where I feel like I can be a great team member. And so I'm driven to create that for myself and for others. And the best way I've found to do that, to create that environment, is by assuming leadership roles. So, you know, from just making yourself effective to leading a project, to leading a team, to leading a whole department. Um, I think as you're exposed to those opportunities and you reflect on your performance with others, you kind of come to know if you should look for more leadership opportunities or continue to attain new skills and make yourself better for whenever that new next opportunity appears. Um, I'd also say um, in my experience, it's been really great to see people in the technology world and be able to create a place for them that say, you know, I'm not really interested in leading. I just want to be a really great technologist. And so there's nothing wrong with that. If you're in technology, you don't have to aspire to be the chief technology officer. You can aspire to be the most senior technical person on the team. And in either case, you're leading, whether you have a title that reflects leadership or not. Um, And so I've always tried to make space in the organizations I've been a part of and the teams I've been a part of to not mandate like, hey, you have to manage other people or lead a certain way. But there's space for lots of types of leadership in technology and really in every area of an organization. You did mention you have an engineering degree. Is that necessary? Does 
does having a degree important for? I don't believe so, and, but I'm going to put a big asterisk on that, and, and here's why. I think there's like this certain foundation of knowledge that, for me, my college experience equipped me with. And that's like these engineering fundamentals around problem solving and evaluating solutions. And really, you know, it boils down to kind of the scientific method, if you will. And my only experience with that was gaining it through college. And it serves me really well as a CTO for handling technical and business problems. Now, I put the heavy asterisks on it because of that. But at the same time, I've seen others who've skipped college altogether and went straight for certifications, and they're just as well equipped at leading and managing a technology organization. And it just so happened, these people anyway, when I compare them to myself, their dispositions lent them to a route where they worked hard to evaluate, you know, any sort of areas for improvement they needed, and they were really great at seeking out mentors or opportunities where they could improve those areas. That's fair enough. Absolutely. That's a great answer. Uh, one of the final questions I have is, if someone is, uh, enters as a CTO, where can this job take them? Um, so after a CTO? Yes. Well, I think, you know, when you get to an executive level position, you're exposed to all areas of the business. And so there's that setting the vision and mission, participating in identifying that and realizing it. So it really opens you up to, you know, other leadership positions within the organization, all the way to the chief executive of another company or that company. I've seen that happen. And I think, again, you know, it has that getting to the CTO level, you know, and exposing you to kind of the business side of the organization and the sales side and marketing and just all those areas, that's, that's a great learning opportunity. And the four years that I've been with Reload, I've learned more about marketing than I ever did in the 10 to 12 years in software before that. And some of that was out of necessity, but some of that was out of just exposure of being in the room and participating in those. Same way with sales, learning more and more about the sales cycle challenges in sales, the approach to sales that your organization takes based on what they're selling and being able to appreciate that. And so, so I would say, you know, achieving that chief technology officer and then using the skills that got you there and using that same sort of empathy and understanding and awareness of others to understand the various other components of your business makes you well-rounded so that you are equipped to lead people in domains that you're not familiar with. And so that's sort of the big, I think, chasm to cross there, because it's always easy to lead people when you understand 100% of what they're doing, and maybe at some point in your career, you were doing that exact role. So there's a lot of immediate understanding and empathy for them. But being able to do that for other departments, other divisions where you're not as familiar, you haven't lived their life professionally, I think that's that skill that you really work on at the CTO level, along with just communication skills, lots and lots of communication skills, and understanding the right level of communication based on your audience, right? So there's 
one level of communication to your board. There's another level of communication to your fellow executives. There's another level of communication to your team. And then uh, there's still yet another level of communication to your customer, right? And so kind of understanding those different types of communication and what's appropriate in every one of those, and then doing that, executing that communication uh, plan is key to go beyond chief technology officer. That's definitely a great answer. And that's a lot of great ideas and valuable insights shared in this episode. We are coming towards the end. And before we wrap up, any final words that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah. So, you know, I I think it's very timely that I'm on this because as a company, we're reading the book Extreme Ownership. And this book really emphasizes something that I've always felt. And it's that you need to learn to lead yourself first. And so then how do you, you know, what does that mean? Well, how do you attack a problem? How do you deal with setbacks? What habits do you fall back to? So, you know, whenever I'm talking with someone who's just entering the workforce or transitioning into a new role, I always recommend these three books to them. Decisive by the Heath Brothers. The thing I love about this book is you have to understand the biases that you and others bring to decisions. And it'll help you and your team make better decisions if you understand this. And it's kind of like the philosophy of just basically saying something out loud, you know, changes your behavior. Well, this book for me, like just reading these different types of bias that we can bring to our decisions helped me as I go and make decisions on a daily basis for, you know, myself, my team, my company, my family. The other one is Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's a growth mindset. It's all about the growth mindset. And so, you know, in a startup, and I think really in today's professional world, we all need this. Everyone's role is evolving. And uh, sometimes that's because technology is evolving. Sometimes that's because, you know, the environment is evolving that you operate within. And so you have to have that growth mindset. And this last one, it's a, it's a little different than both of those. It's uh, the Checklist Manifesto by uh, Dr. Gwandi. But really, the thing I learned from reading that book is like even doctors, pilots, astronauts, they need organizational tools to make sure they do things efficiently and effectively. So they have years and years of training and education, hours and hours in simulators or residency but they still need a way, an organizational tool to make sure that they remember to do everything they're supposed to and get it done efficiently and effectively. And so that kind of goes back to that leading yourself. It's like figure out what organizational tools you need to make sure that you're being efficient and effective because we're all given the same amount of time, right? I think as far as like learning software, there's so many ways to learn today. There's some really great software schools that are popping up in all the larger cities. Nashville has a great one. There are tons of online courses and just YouTube videos where people go through and explain new technologies, or how to start programming. If you're in school, I would encourage you to find a company you like or that you've heard of and ask for an internship. And then finally, I would say just read voraciously, blogs, books, whatever it is listen to podcasts and audiobooks. There's like, never be satisfied with what you know. Always 
look for ways to learn more. That's an amazing wrap up. I think that applies to every career if you wanted to grow in your career. Thanks for sharing this and more importantly, thanks for spending time today sharing this. I wanted to talk to the audience and myself as well. It's been so fun talking to you, Nassar. And again, um, I'm a big fan of this style of podcast because again, I also want to always learn more and see how other people are tackling the same kind of problems I'm tackling. So thanks again for having me on. And to the audience, thanks everyone for joining and listening to yet another episode of the Career Medis Podcast. As always, I write a brief summary of the episode in the show notes. You can find that as a blog post in careermedis.com. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. If you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this amongst your network. Until next time, this is your host, Nisar Ahmed. Thank you.